everybody. Welcome to Cultivate Church Online. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here with us today. If you're our guest, welcome uh, to the family. Welcome. I'm glad you're here, uh, wherever you're tuning in from, whether it be podcast or YouTube or right here online at cultivatechurch.tv. We're just so honored you're here with us. We're kicking off a brand new series, the month of June, we've called Bear Fruit. Bear Fruit. And uh, all of it comes from uh, Matthew chapter 7. Verse 16, Jesus said, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Jesus goes on to say in that same passage of scripture that a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. We produce fruit in our lives. The Bible talks about it in Galatians chapter 5. It lists off a list of fruits that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And uh, I would even think that that's probably not even a full exhaustive list of exactly what God produces in us and, and how, uh, how he changes our lives for the better as we begin to follow him, as we tr place our trust in Jesus as our Savior. He begins to produce in us, the Bible calls it, uh, a sanctification process. It's becoming more like Jesus as we live our lives on purpose in a way that honors him. So all month long, we're going to be talking about what does it look like for us to produce, to bear the fruit that Jesus places inside of us as a result of following him. I titled your message today, Fruit Ninja. Fruit Ninja. I don't know if you've seen that game over the years. It's a, it's a game, that game that became very popular on the iPhone years ago. Now it's in arcades. You can see it if you go to a video arcade. You can see giant screens. And the premise of the game is it just throws fruit up in the air and you're a ninja and you, can, you get to swing a sword and you have to cut all of the fruit. And as the game goes on, there's more and more fruit thrown at you. And, and then they throw all kinds of little hiccups at you. Sometimes it might be a bomb or something frozen. It's maybe a, another counterfeit fruit. And, and, and the truth is, that's really what life is. You know, the Bible produces fruit inside of us. But I believe this, that the truth is, culture, it, it loves counterfeit fruit. It will throw all kinds of things at us. And, and, and in many of us, we look at it and think of it. It's enticing. It looks good. I don't know what your favorite fruit is. And uh, mine, I, I love watermelon. Uh, I love uh, apples. I love oranges. Uh, I love fruit. I don't know what your favorite fruit is. Uh, and then maybe you've got, maybe you've been in the controversy of some other kinds of uh, fruit or vegetables. Like what's a tomato? Is it a fruit? Is it a vegetable? What is it? We've, we've all been given those kinds of fruits in our lives, and many of it looks enticing. A lot of it isn't Jesus. A lot of it isn't fruit that's produced through the power of the Holy Spirit. One thing I know, we are producing fruit out of our lives. It's either good fruit or it's bad fruit. It's fruit that honors God that only He can produce, or it's fruit that pushes me away from God that's only produced on a life lived opposite of the principles of God. So we're going to dive in and I'm going to talk about that just a little bit. There's a story in John chapter 15 where Jesus lays all of this out. Jesus is teaching his disciples and he's laying out exactly what it looks like for us to bear fruit in our lives. It's a call of God on all of us to do that, to produce fruit with the lives that we live. But what kind of fruit are we producing? 
So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into our notes this morning. And I believe uh, if we dive in, if, if we take heart the principles laid out in John chapter 15, that I think it can make a, a great difference in the fruit that we're producing in our lives. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word today. It's alive. It's breathing. It's for us. It corrects us. It inspires us. It produces things in us. And ultimately, it equips us for every good work you've called us to do. So today, Father, I pray that no matter how we're tuning in, no matter where we're listening from, I pray that we are equipped with your word to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you, that it would produce much fruit in us to make a difference in the world around us. You'll get all the, cra- all the praise for it, all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. So growing fruit requires a few things. And Jesus lays it out in John chapter 15. Uh, Growing fruit, number one, requires a vine. It requires a vine. There has to be something that produces the nutrients into the fruit. And Jesus says it in John chapter 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, the fact that he says, I'm the true vine, not I'm the vine or I'm a vine. He says, I'm the true vine. It indicates that there are other vines out there. History tells us that Israel was a vine, was a, was a vine from the father. Uh, it also tells us that the, the Bible actually talks about the world being another portion, another vine. And then you have Jesus. So there's actually three biblical vines out there. And Jesus is laying it out in John chapter 15. Everybody listening to him that day would have fully understood what he's talking about. That there were other counterfeit vines. And Jesus lays out, he says, but I am the true vine. Nothing else matters except for me. Unless you're connected to this vine, you're not producing godly fruit. Unless you're connected to me, all of the fruit that you're producing would be considered what Matthew chapter 7 is says is bad fruit. A counterfeit fruit. The problem is many people uh, in our culture today, especially in America, cultural Christianity, we're connected to another vine. It's a counterfeit vine. Where are you drawing your nutrients from? You see, the vine is what gives nutrients to the rest of the plant. And my question would be, where am I drawing my nutrients from? Where am I getting my life from? Many people, it might be your career. It's the next thing. It's the next success. It's the next rung on the ladder. You think that as long as you can stay connected to that career, as long as you can stay connected to those giftings, to that talent that's producing for you or for your family, that that's what you need to sustain your life. And Jesus is saying there's something greater than that. Maybe it's stuff or things or friends or relationships. Maybe you're stuck to a life of comparison. You scroll every day. You find yourself addicted, completely addicted to social media, comparing your life with the highlight reel of everyone else. You're connected to a different vine. It's some sort of social media. Jesus is saying that the only thing that can produce the fruit God desires in our life is him. He makes a life worth living. He feeds the the nutrients that we need, the spiritual nutrients that we need to go on in our life. It's him and him alone. There's no other thing in this world that can feed us what we need to produce the fruit of life that he came to give. 
He says it this way in John chapter 14, verse 6. It's all, uh, there's, there's, the, there's, there's the famous I am's in the gospel of John. We just read it. He said, I am the true vine. But then he goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this. You want to highlight this in your notes. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's nothing else that we can be connected to in our lives. Good, bad, or indifferent. There's no other vine that we can be connected to. There's no other thing that we should be connected to or grafted into other than Jesus himself. He alone is the true grapevine. He alone is the true vine. What kind of fruit are you going to produce? Well, it depends on what you're connected to. So if you're growing fruit, you know you have to have a vine. All other sources are counterfeit. Like you ever had counterfeit fruit before? You ever had something that you knew wasn't the real thing? This isn't fruit, it's potatoes, but I remember growing up, I loved mashed potatoes. One of my favorite foods growing up, if my mom, man, nobody makes mashed potatoes like my mom makes mashed potatoes. Now, you probably think that about your mom as well, but my mom was a fantastic cook. And, and I remember growing up eating mashed potatoes, and there were times in which she just didn't have time to make, to go through the whole process of making them homemade. So she would try to pass off a counterfeit mashed potato. And I can tell you this, that I always knew to this day, I can know that I know if it's real or if it's fake. It's just one of those things. I know if I'm eating potato flakes or if I'm eating legitimate homemade mashed potatoes. The truth of the matter is many people don't recognize you don't recognize the vine you're grafted into because the, the Bible says about the enemy, it says he is a liar and the father of lies. The Bible says he is the great deceiver. So many people are connected to a vine and maybe they have a spiritual life. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you're here tuning in online and you don't miss tuning in online to cultivate church online. Maybe you call yourself a believer, but if you're honest, you're grafted in to a counterfeit vine. I remember calling my mom out every single time she would make fake potatoes and she'd say, oh, Brandon, you're wrong. Those are real. I don't know what you're talking about. And sure enough, eventually she would go, I just don't know how you can tell that they're fake when I've done everything that I can do to make them taste as close to the real thing. But here's the reality. There just isn't anything like the real thing. You can get something as close as close could be to the real thing, but it's always going to be missing something that's just not the true, authentic, real thing. Jesus alone is the true vine. So you need a true, you need a vine. Number two, you need a branch. That's where we come in. That's where you and I come in. Uh, uh, speaking of scripturally, we are the branch. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches, Jesus says. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, so what does he say? Remember, he's the vine. You have to have a vine. Now you have to have a branch. We are the branches. If those who remain in me and I in them produce much fruit. Another translation of that talks about abide. The word abide, it doesn't just mean to hold on. It doesn't just mean even remain. It's actually even more so than that. It literally means to take up a dwelling, to live in, to make your home 
in. Jesus is saying those that are sustained, those that are rooted, that are grafted in, that remain, that are abiding in me, I will abide and I will remain in them and they will produce much fruit. Listen to this. For apart from him, we can't do anything. You see, a branch can't do anything or produce anything on its own. It's simply a conduit of the nutrients of the vine. Did you know that? All we can be is a conduit of what's flowing through us. What does that mean? It means what goes in must come out. You've heard of that cliche all your life. What goes up must come down. What goes in must come out. You can attempt to counterfeit that all you want to. You can cover it up all you want to. But the truth is, whatever nutrients are coming into your body, whatever spiritually you are allowing into your heart, into your spirit, into your mind, into your life, it is going to be produced in the fruit of your life. You can paint a tomato to look like an apple all you want, but when you open it up, it's going to be a tomato. You can't counterfeit the life that you're living. I think far too many of us, we think we're doing a great job of covering up the fruit that we're actually producing in our lives. Come on, if you're honest with yourself, you know you can't cover it up. The fruit that you're producing is what's going to show in your life. I remember years and years ago, we uh, talked ourselves, Brandon Matthews and myself and Jeffrey Hunter, a friend of ours, we all decided we were going to go to Atlanta on New Year's Eve to the Peach Drop. And so we had, somebody had read that it was a family event, a family affair. People were bringing their children, and it was going to be a great time. And y'all, we got there on New Year's Eve in Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, Georgia, and we began to be funneled through what looked like a cattle call thousands upon thousands there had to be a hundred thousand people there pushing through underground Atlanta into this concert uh, setting and one thing that we began to recognize was two of these things are a lot not like the other one of these things are not like the other we did not belong there this was anything but a family affair. This was anything but a family event. It was absolute chaos. Our, uh, our lives, we did not mesh with the lifestyles and the people and the things and, and the stuff going on uh, uh, at that event. We were completely out of place. You could have picked us out, us 10 or so of us, out of a million. We stuck out like a sore Thumb. No matter, we could not have attempted to begin to fit in in that environment. It was completely different than what we had been uh, told, what we had been sold that it was going to be. We, I remember being so crowded that you couldn't even move. We were being pushed around by the crowd and people behind us by the thousands would all count to three and they would all push and the, the whole crowd would move in sync, in, in sync with one another because there was no Room. It was literally that tight. I remember this uh, while we were about a hundred yards into where we had begun. We were all just literally freaking out. This is not what we thought it was going to be. This did not look like what had been told that it was going to look like what we had been told that it was going to look. And a fight broke out. And I can tell you that the whole crowd that literally couldn't move at all scattered completely. 
Y'all, my family, my wife at the time, my friends, Brandon, Jared, they all left me. I was by myself, fending for myself, and they had all just, they, they took their opportunity to jet for the door. They left me to die. <laughs> and I'll never forget, you know what, they're gone, but I'm getting out of here. I don't belong here. I knew for a fact that this was not my vine <laughs> this is not something i needed to be connected to so we got out as we we're walking out i finally saw them at the uh, at the entrance they left me for dead hoping that i might get out alive and as i'm walking out there were people being arrested they were trying to kick in the back windows of the police cars and it was just mass chaos and i knew at that moment we don't belong here this is not who we're connected to. We watched the fireworks from five or six blocks over and went to Waffle House and went home. It was the, it was the craziest experience of our life. And here's what I've learned. You can, you can try to counterfeit all you want to. You can get, environments in like, get in environments like that and think you're going to fit in. You're not going to fit in. You are what you are. You're the branch. You're simply a conduit of the life, of, of, the, of, the, of the nutrients being pushed into your life. And here's my question. If you're connected to a vine, what vine, what vine is producing the fruit in your life? What does it look like? Here's some fruit realities that you need to know. Here's a question you need to ask yourself. Here's the truth. Fruit is produced through a branch, not by a branch. It's not fabricated. No one has ever called an apple tree trying to act like an orange tree so we know this truth fruit is produced through me not by me so here's the question what kind of fruit is your life producing right now you'll never be successful trying to simply modify your behavior your fruit will always give you away always it will always give you away you can think man I got to be nicer I need to be more kind I need to be more patient Man, I need, to, I need to be more loving and more caring. You can't just do it. It's got to be produced through you. It only comes from a branch being grafted into the true vine. What does that look like? So you got to have a vine. You got to have a branch. And if you're going to produce good fruit, you got to have a gardener. Number three, you got to have a gardener. And Jesus reminds us who that is. Let's back up a, just a verse or two in chapter 15, verses one and two. It says, and my father is the gardener. Listen to what he does. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You see, the gardener determines the health of the fruit. It takes great skill to prune things properly. See, the branch, is, the branch determines the fruit. The gardener determines the health of the fruit. It says that rotten branches have to go. Branches that aren't producing fruit, they have to go. Why? Because they steal the nutrients. They produce disease. They promote disease. They stunt the growth of the overall health of the plant. Notice that this isn't speaking of a wrong branch. This isn't, this isn't speaking of a branch that was uh, wrongfully trying to graft itself in. Jesus said he cuts off every branch of mine. This is actually, this isn't speaking of unbelievers. This isn't speaking of people trying that uh, aren't even attempting to be grafted in to the, the vine. This is talking about people who claim to know Jesus but aren't producing any fruit. Come on, what does that look like in your life today?
He cuts them away. He pulls them away. They're not producing. They're only stunting the growth of the health of the overall plant. What does it look like for you today? Are you stunting the growth of those around you? Because of the fruit that's being produced in your life, are you making decisions and doing things that actually are counterproductive to the spiritual health of those around you? Jesus says God is the fa- our Father's the gardener. He'll cut that stuff off. He will cut you away so that the health of the overall branch, the overall, the overall health of the plant is better. So we see that rotten branches have to go. We also see that healthy branches need to be pruned. Only God can do this. I've gotten into gardening over the last couple of years as we bought our house five years ago and I've been reproducing the landscape. I've been helping renovate the landscape in our home and we've planted some hydrangeas and I have learned a hard lesson on what it looks like to prune things properly. Because I thought, man, these are going to be beautiful. They're going to grow. Well, I've learned that if you don't prune hydrangeas properly, you'll not only hurt the plant, you'll stunt the growth of the plant and it will actually not produce blooms in the whole entire season to come. So you have to learn what's proper and what's healthy and how you prune a hydrangea is not the same that you prune a rose bush and how you prune a rose bush is not the same that you would prune an apple tree. It's all different and our father, the great gardener, knows how and when to prune us the proper way to make us the healthiest that we can possibly be in our lives. Pruning is painful. It hurts. But listen, whenever we walk through it, anytime we go through pruning seasons of our life, you feel the Lord, cutting things away, taking things away, shaping things and molding things. When that begins to happen in your life, it should be a reminder, an indicator that I am getting ready to produce even more fruit because the gardener knows exactly what to do. So when you're being pruned, the father is preparing you for a season of growth. I believe that with all of my heart. You don't have to like it in the moment, but you'll be grateful in the end. Because producing good fruit, it requires a branch, it requires a vine, it requires a branch, and it requires the gardener. And I'm so thankful that the Father knows exactly what to do and when to do it so that we can produce the greatest fruit in our lives. So how does that look like for us to to produce lasting fruit? What does it look like for me in my life that, that lasting fruit can begin to make a difference in my family, in my family tree, moving forward as we walk through this series together? Number one, you need to write this down. You need to know this on the back of your notes. Blessing comes from obedience. Blessing always comes from obedience. Jesus reminds us, John chapter 15, verse 7, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Come on, y'all. That's a biblical principle of life. God always blesses obedience. Always. There'll never be a time where God doesn't bless obedience. Now, if you're parents, you can understand and recognize this character trait in the father. Because if you're like me, you want to bless the obedience of your children. Anytime your kids can can walk in obedience, it causes you to want to bless them, doesn't it? 
We've been teaching my son Shepard. He's taken over the trash duties in our home, and he's six years old, and he's learning how to properly take care of the, the trash in our home. So it's his job to inspect it every day to see if the trash needs to go to the trash cans outside and uh, re, uh, reinstall the trash cans in all of the rooms and in the kitchen. And uh, It's his job. Now, he doesn't always get that right, but that's his role. That's his responsibility. And, and it, on the early side of it, it's my responsibility to remind him. It's my responsibility to let him know, hey, son, have you inspected the trash today? Have you made sure that everything is good and operational so that we don't have trash overflowing into the, into the, into the floor and stacked up like Jenga in our, in, our, um, in our kitchen or in the bathrooms? And so early on, I began, I was reminding him, and as he's gotten better at it, he's learning to do it on his own. He's learning to obey the command, and it causes us to want to put more blessing in his life. Now, he's six. He doesn't always get it. Sometimes that trash bag is just a little too heavy, and he can't hoist it up into the trash can, so dad's always there to help him work those problems out. God will never cause you to do something that if you can't do it in your own strength, he's not there to help you do it. See, blessing follows obedience. It always comes from obedience. A granted request from God, I don't care how you want to think of it or put it, that's a blessing. The fact that Jesus said, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask the Father anything you want and he will grant it. Now, I want you to know that doesn't mean many of you are thinking right now, I know it, I can hear, I can read your minds. Oh, well, that means I'm, I'm going to absolutely do it. Then I can ask for that boat that I really wanted. Or I can ask for that relationship that I really wanted to work out. Or that career or that promotion. No, 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 that's not it. You see, the, Jesus is actually indicating that the closer I am to Jesus, the more I'm grafted into the true vine, the more that I am, the more that I am walking in obedience to the word of God, the more aligned my life is to the purpose and plan and will of God for my life. So a good indicator that, that uh, I am aligning myself, that I'm grafted in a healthy way to the true vine spiritually, a great indicator is that I begin to see God answer my prayers. Because all of a sudden, the things that I'm praying aren't as selfish as they used to be. They aren't as self-focused or self-centered as maybe they used to be. All of a sudden, the way that I begin to pray and the life that I begin to live, it is aligned with the will and plan of God for my life. And so he finds great pleasure in blessing me through that process. Blessing comes from obedience. You need to write this one down. Joy comes from blessing. Joy comes from blessing. We continue on in verses 10 and 11. It says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things. Why? So that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Come on, what a promise from God. When I walk in obedience, it brings blessing. And when I see the blessing of God in my life, it brings overwhelming joy. Now, there's a joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. See, when you have joy, you can walk through hard seasons of life and have peace that nobody else understands. Because it's not determined by my circumstance. See, happiness is a counterfeit joy. Happiness is cultural joy. Happiness would be part of the counterfeit vine 
that Jesus talks about. See, he says, I'm the true vine. I produce joy. Joy is not circumstantial. Joy is not based on my circumstance. Joy is not based on whether or not I got the promotion. Joy is not based on whether or not I'm going to walk through and live through the bad doctor's report that I got last month or last year. Joy is not determined on whether or not the marriage even works out. It's not determined on whether or not my job is successful or not. That's not joy. See, that's all happiness. I can be happy if I get the new car. I can be happy if I got the new job. I can be happy if the things tend to work out. But you know what I've learned about happiness? That it is a moving target. Every time I seem to catch it, man, I got the promotion. We got the new house. We got the new car. My kids are successful. Every time I seem to catch happiness, it only lasts for a little while. It's fleeting. It's ever moving. It's never sustainable. But joy is this deep sense of uh, satisfaction and contentment that can only come from a relationship with Jesus, from being connected to the true vine. Happiness is a moving target. I, I read this week that happiness is an earthly experience based on material objects, but joy is a spiritual experience, caring for others and having gratitude and thankfulness. Swan Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything, but with everything, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. See, when I begin to live a life grafted into the true vine, honoring God with my, real, with, with, with my life, beginning to walk in accordance and obedience to his word, he brings blessing into my life, and that produces joy. There's a reason why some of us are walking through some of the difficult, most difficult seasons of our life, and in spite of it, you have joy. And in spite of it, you can say, hey, I am an overcomer according to him who, according to Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me that is in the world than he that is in the world. No matter what comes my way, my focus is on Jesus. No matter what happens around me, I'm not going to get sunk down in the mire, in the muck of depression and anxiety. Man, I'm going to get up and I'm going to trust in Jesus. When I don't understand his hand, I know I can trust his plan. Why? Because I'm grafted into the true vine and blessing brings joy. Number three, you need to know this, that love comes from joy. Love comes from joy. Jesus goes on to remind them, hey, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. He reminds it right there. He reminds us right there. Walk in obedience. I appointed you to go produce lasting fruit, blessing follows comes from obedience i appointed you to produce lasting fruit here's the blessing so that the father will give you whatever you ask using my name and this is my command that you love each other joy comes from blessing love one another what is love what does that even look like well you know that's the first fruit actually talked about in galatians chapter 5 the first fruit of the spirit is love what does that look like for me to love? That's a whole word right there, isn't it? It means all kinds of things. Uh, unfortunately, in America, in our culture, in our language, it doesn't mean so much anymore. We've used it far too many times and used it way out of context. And um, the things that we seem to love, or it, it just doesn't express the kind of love that the Bible talks about. I want to read this to you right there on your screens. 1 Corinthians 13, 
talks about what love actually is. Love is a fruit that is produced. Listen to me. Hear me well, church. You can't fabricate it. There's a counterfeit love all over our culture, all over this world, and it is not the true vine. You're connected to the wrong vine. It's fabricated. Do you bear these things? It talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. He goes on to say that all of these things, the whole world's going to waste away, but love will remain. It's the greatest of all. Now, here's my question to you. I know that you can read this and you go, mm. for many of us, this stings, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not patient at all. Yeah, I'm not real kind. I'm pretty jealous in my life. I boast, man, I got pride. I tend to be pretty rude. I've got a bad attitude at times. Oh, it's my way or the highway. That's often the truth. Listen, here's the indicator. I'm not, I'm not, we're not reading this for you to go, yeah, I need to, I need to maybe change some of those things. I need to do better in those things. You can't produce love. Love is produced by being grafted into the vine. Here's my question. Ask yourself today. This is the question you need to ask. What kind of fruit is my life producing? Am I grafted to a counterfeit vine? Here's my, here's my belief. I believe this with all of my heart. I think there are so many people that are gathered around churches all over the world today in this moment that you're connected to a vine, but you're not connected to the true vine. That if you honestly assess the fruit being produced in your life, it's not Jesus. It's not Him. And today, I wanna, I'm begging you to remind yourself, you can't just modify your behavior. You can't walk out of here today and go, I'm just going to be more patient. You'll be more patient for a day or two until something happens that triggers you right back because it's not grafted. You're not grafted. You need Jesus as your personal Savior. You need to be grafted into the real vine. You Listen, fruit can't be produced by the branch. It's produced through the branch. So Jesus is calling you right now. You didn't choose him. He's choosing you right now. The power of the Holy Spirit is touching your heart. Jesus is saying, please let me graft you into myself. You would say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry that I've lived life in my own strength and my own ability. I'm so sorry that I felt like I was grafted into the true vine, but honestly, I'm taking an assessment over my life today. And I haven't been. I've grafted into a counterfeit vine. If I'm going to produce much fruit that you've called me to produce and I'm going to experience the blessing that comes from obedience that produces joy that overflows into love for those around me I need to be grafted into the true vine so Jesus I accept you as my savior and from this day forward I'm going to follow you as my Lord thank you for salvation thank you for love that only comes from the Father from this day forward I'm grafted into the true vine in Jesus name Amen.